From Comcast, NBC Universal Lift Labs, it's Ideas Elevated, the podcast that elevates innovative entrepreneurs and their ideas. I'm Danielle Kahn, the head of Lift Labs, and today's guest is Cal Fussman. Cal is a New York Times bestselling author, longtime Esquire writer, corporate consultant, and the host of the Big Questions podcast. He's best known for his column in Esquire, where he's interviewed leaders such as Mikhail Gorbachev, Jeff Bezos, Muhammad Ali, and so many more. In this episode, Cal chats with my colleague, Luke Butler, Senior Director of Lift Labs, about taking the lessons he's learned from world icons and sharing them with founders that are building the world of tomorrow. Cal will share tips on how to navigate the uncertainty of our unprecedented times. All that and more with Cal Fussman, now on Ideas Elevated. Welcome to the latest episode of the Ideas Elevated podcast by Comcast NBC Universal. We're joined today by a great friend of, of Lift Labs, journalist, author, world-renowned interviewer and storyteller and entrepreneur, Cal Fussman. Cal, thanks for, for joining us today. Oh, it's great to be with you again, Luke. So, I mean, first of all, you're, you're a man who, uh, who thrives on uncertainty and, uh, and, and curiosity. And, you know, that's kind of led you through, through your, your own career. But I imagine even for you, uh, the, the uncertainty and, and unpredictability of 2020 might, might have been a bit much. How have the last few months been for, for you and your work? The whole year has been like that. I, was, I got to know Kobe Bryant pretty well. Mm-hmm. And to hear about his untimely death uh, really shook me. And it seemed like right after that, the virus started to be upon us. I did something without even knowing it that really helped me out through the, through the process. I helped some friends. <laughs> uh, what happened is... They had written a book with another writer, and it was scheduled to be delivered, and it didn't work out, and they needed somebody to come in and, and fix it up. So I agreed to just parachute in and help them out, and I knew it had to have to go into the bunker. And I landed in the bunker the same time the coronavirus hit. Mm -hmm. So I was just working away while the virus was hitting the rest of the world. And then I was enabled to think about some advice I had gotten right after the Great Recession. And it came from a surfer named Laird Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And if you know surfing, you know that Laird would go out into the ocean, be boats that would take him to where 50-foot waves are. And he'd surf those 50-foot waves. And I said to him, like, what happens when you go down under a 50-foot wave? And he said, the first thing I do is I close my eyes because I don't want to waste any energy even seeing. The next thing I do is I don't fight against all the tumult. I am like a piece of clothing getting thrown around a washing machine. I just sort of spread out my arms like a, a leaf and just let it take me because I'm not wasting any energy 
fighting against this energy. And then, in the way he described it, it was almost like the ocean was a living human being in that it needed to breathe too. The way you see a wave exhale on the shore, and then it has to inhale. And he said, the ocean will inhale. And when you feel that moment, that is when you get up to the surface as fast as you can. You use all the energy you've just conserved to get up to the top. Now, I hope this isn't too late for some of the listeners that were fighting under the water and smacking their foreheads and just trying to do anything they could when maybe just closing their eyes and pausing might have given them the ability to have the fresh idea that was going to take them to the surface in the moment that the energy stopped working against them. For you at, at this point, and as, and as also, I mean, not just in the last few months, but you've kind of reinvented yourself a number of times and had to kind of pause and think. And is that like an innate thing for you? Or is there a process that you go through when you're thinking, when you're at a crossroads and you're thinking about either your business in a certain way or kind of where you're focusing, is there a process that you take yourself through to to, to recognize you need to stop and think and like ask yourself the questions about what, what to do next? Well, I, I learned this from the Great Recession in 08 because I didn't take that time to pause and reflect. I was really knocked off balance. One of the things that had happened is I had ex basically expanded my life to two coasts right before September, October of 08. And so I had all these new bills over my head at the time where all the money just stopped. I mean, it was just, no, you couldn't sell a book. The magazines that I was working for were basically saying we've got to cut salaries. And to show you how nuts I was, I was actually saying, well, take it out of mine because like, I'm in a good, I'll figure this out. And some of the others, they can't figure it out. So it's on me without realizing how big the wave was. Mm. And then when I went down, I said, oh, man. <laughs> but I did completely reinvent myself through a bunch of meetings and mostly by being open to possibilities, yeah. met a kid who had, had dropped out of college uh, and he was writing a book and I jumped in to help him. And when I did, he actually took me in a completely different direction. And I turned from writer to public speaker and I was doing absolutely phenomenal. In fact, the last year, it was like going off the charts. This was going to be the big year that was going to take me to another level. And then boom, it's like 90% of my revenue just disappeared. And then I just took that moment to pause. And I started to do a few of these chats over the internet and I started talking to a lot of people. And I realized that the people who were listening to my talks and my stories 
in a room of 300 or up to 4,000, they got my stories and they got a message. But the reality is there was no way that I could help them control the result that they got from the message. And what I realized with the aid of Zoom and Google Hangouts, Squadcast, Mm -hmm. I'm actually in a position to take this to the next level because I can assemble, say, six business owners in a workshop online. And in a couple of hours, we could actually refocus their stories or create them for the first time, have them practice their stories, polish them. And after two hours, they're going to come out with something that they just didn't have before. And then I will stay with them and give them some individual instruction as it's playing out. And so I realized I can have much more of an impact through the internet. Yeah. So it's kind of an example of being able to use that pause and then to wait for the moment where, okay, things are starting to go a little differently. We're doing this online. And then see, okay, now's the time to go to the surface. I want to go to the 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 origin of that last point you made about kind of some of the work that you've you've shifted into. I mean, you've you've told the stories of some of the most influential, famous people of, of the last fifty years. But more recently you've also started working with businesses and and founders who are trying to articulate what they do and why they do in a in a way that really builds a kind of a authentic connection with with their their audience. And so you know, for founders that are listening that that maybe don't think of themselves as storytellers, for you, what does storytelling mean when it comes to running a business or kind of articulating the the vision of what you're trying to do with a startup? Well, the biggest thing that I've found doing the storytelling workshops when I was doing them live in in rooms mm-hmm. is that quite often, People who start businesses and you really got to throw your life into it. If you're not throwing your life into it, it, it just ain't going to work. Yeah. And so they're all throwing their lives into it, but it can create a difficulty for them when they're telling their story because they often see themselves or the company as the hero of their company's story. And it just cannot be that way, Luke. Mm-hmm. It's that is a recipe for disaster for a simple reason. The hero of any story has to be a vulnerable character. Just look at you, whoever you are, look at your favorite movie. I guarantee you, when you think back at it, you'll realize the main character was vulnerable at in some way at the start. And the progression of the movie was all about how that character would go through the story arc to go from vulnerability to a place where they had achieved what they set out to do. And as soon as you tell this 
to business leaders, they get it uh, because they understand it when I say, look, you've got to see yourself not as the karate kid. You got to see yourself as Mr. Miyagi. Mm-hmm. Your customers are those vulnerable characters that you are in business to help them get from that position of vulnerability to a position of strength. And once you do that, once you make that starting move, everything gets changed. But then they have to really start to think about their customers and what their customers' difficulties were, what their problems were, and how exactly they solved them. And as soon as you start thinking that way, things become cinematic and you're able to show how your company can take the customer on the customer's own hero's journey and get from a place of vulnerability to a place of transformation. Yeah. With the, in the, with the ways that you work with, with founders, give us a little bit of a, a preview of, of kind of what that, that process looks like. How do you, you've started with a founder who is, is telling the wrong kind of story. How do they put it back together again in a way that you think is more compelling? Well, what I'm doing with these workshops is sending out video in advance to let them know, okay, here's how you have to think. You have to think of your customers first. Who are they? Where were they before you jumped in to help them? And if you're looking at yourself as Mr. Miyagi, looking at them as if they're the karate kid, you can see the arc that you took them on. And that is basically what they need to come to the workshop with. Mm -hmm. At that point, uh, I'll have assembled uh, six people in total. So uh, everybody will get some instruction on storytelling. I'll, I'll tell a few stories. And in that, I will show them the rules of storytelling. Once they've got all the rules down, once they're thinking cinematically, uh, then they're going to be asked to create their own story. At that point, I will be able to group them together over the internet with one of the other participants, and they'll be telling their stories to one another. And one great thing about this is If you're A and you're telling the story to another business owner who's B, that person's going to know pretty quickly if you're on target or not. Mm -hmm. And we'll go back and forth. So everybody tells their story. Everybody listens. Everybody gets feedback. And then we come back to the overall session. Everybody talks it out. Uh, And the process keeps repeating so that everybody moves to a different member of the session. And you would be amazed how after you have created your story and told your story five times and gotten feedback over and over and over again, by the time like two hours is up, you have 
a story in the palm of your hands. And I'm not going to stop there. I am going to have one-on-one sessions afterward to make sure that they're putting out their story right, to gauge the reaction and help them push it forward. So I'm going to be able to make a huge impact in people's eyes, in people's lives that I had a great feeling about when I was speaking, but this time I'm actually going to get a chance to see results. Yeah. It sounds like just a great way to put your your experience to, to work and to help people in a new kind of way. And as well as other topic I kind of want to touch on is as well as founders being having to tell stories, they have to do your job as well. They got to interview people and and figure out who they are and, and kind of very quickly build connections with people, whether that's people they're hiring, people inside the company, new customers or partners. And I'm curious if if you think about as an example, if if you've got a founder that's interviewing people to join a, a pretty small team where the the culture and the fit is so important at that that stage. From your experience interviewing people and very quickly getting to the heart of who they are, do you have, do you have any tips for founders on, on how they can get beyond that kind of superficial level and really get a quick, quick read on someone? Well, it's the most important thing I found. And for me, it's important because I have often interviewed or am interviewing people who are really famous and If I can't in the first 30 seconds make that connection that says, I'm different. You've just had 5,000 interviews with 5,000 other people, but this is going to be a different session. If I can't do that, I'm cooked and doesn't matter if I'm talking to Cristiano Ronaldo, who's been interviewed 10 million times as one of the soccer greats, yeah. uh, or Mikhail Gorbachev or Jeff Bezos, you need to separate yourself in that first minute. A question that makes somebody stop to think, because as I always say, the best questions make the person asked just as curious about the answer as you are. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want it to be a threatening question. You want it to be a question that makes the person realize, oh, I I never thought of that, but also they feel safe. They feel comfortable. Uh, They don't feel like you're trying to knock them down. Yeah. Uh, Now, I've talked to people who do interviews to hire, who actually will use a first question to like weed people out. So, you know, I guess if they're talking to so many people in a day, it's okay. If they can't answer this, forget it. Uh, My strategy is very different. It's find a question that pertains to your culture, that allows them to stop, maybe look up, at the ceiling, because when you see somebody look up at the ceiling, they're reaching down into themselves for information and and pausing. It's okay that they pause. They weren't expecting that question. And the conversation should go very naturally 
from from that point uh, because it will be on a very authentic level. Yeah. I find when whenever I'm interviewing or hiring somebody, the reasons that you're going to let someone go are, are likely to be not because of a lack of a specific skill or that they can't do what they said they were going to do on their resume. It's a culture, it's a it's an attitude and and how well do they they fit with the rest of the team and as soon as you can make somebody comfortable and get them to express some real their real selves as opposed to trying to trick them or put them on the back foot i think is is always the best way to get at get at the real person and and think about it luke if you're just starting a company say you've got three people on the company and you're thinking of adding the fourth that's 25% of your company yeah this is the time where you can't really afford a mistake. If you got 300 people working and the wrong person gets hired, it's not, it shouldn't make that big of a difference, although I guess it depends on what they were hired to do. But when it's the fourth person in a company or the third person in a company, it's so huge. You've got to make the right decision. And you got to have that right comfort on this level of culture that is, like you say, so important because somebody can have the skills, but if they're bringing a sense of friction to the company, it's it's so much energy is being lost. You just got to all be rowing in the same direction at the same time. Well, Cal, thanks for thanks for spending a few minutes with us today. It was a pleasure talking to you. If if folks want to hear more from you, listen to some of your podcasts, uh, maybe learn about some of the the storytelling workshops that you're running. Where where can they find you? What they can do is go to calfussman.com, c a l f u s s m a n dot com, uh, and there'll be a way to access the podcast, which is called Big Questions, and just go to contact uh, and reach out to me directly. Just send me an email. Let me know you're interested in a storytelling workshop, forming lists, and we'll give people days that they can choose from. And I'm so excited about this because from my end, if we can create these transformative stories and the business starts really succeeding and more and more people get hired, then I will have had a little place in that. And that's a beautiful thing. This has been Ideas Elevated from Comcast NBC Universal Lift Labs. If you'd like to be part of the Comcast NBC Universal Lift Labs Accelerator powered by Techstars, head to ComcastNBCULift.com or check out the show notes and apply today. Ideas Elevated is a Q9 production. This episode was produced by Kevin Schmidlin with editing and mixing by Max Graham and theme music by The Last Generation on Film. From Lift Labs, I'm Danielle Kahn. Until next time. <laughs>